Merry Christmas, everyone. It's uh, Christmas morning. What an amazing morning. And I'm just so excited that you have uh, chosen to join in, to listen, to uh, hear what the Lord has to say. And I believe that there's something really special that uh, he has in store for us this morning uh, or this afternoon, depending on when you happen to be uh, tuning in. Uh, the title of my message today is Only One Savior. And, uh, you know, I just love Christmas morning. I love the excitement, the energy in the air, uh, people waking up, ready to give and receive. And it's really just a, a significant uh, morning in history um, and in life. Everyone's life, I think there's uh, memories of, of Christmas morning. Um, for me, the excitement of giving the gifts at Christmas has really been the, the greatest joy. Uh, seeing the light in the eyes of really our children when, we, when they open their gifts um, is just a, an experience of a, a glimmer of understanding of the heart of our Heavenly Father, um, just in some small degree, His joy in giving great gifts uh, to His children. Today is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And I remember, you know, our children's birth. I remember the, the first ones when they were born, we'd actually still make these birth announcements. And it, it was an actual card with photos and, and a, you know, a little um, bit of text on there announcing, you know, who they were, the, the birth weight, uh, maybe just a verse that we had about them. Uh, believe it or not, they're actual physical cards. Uh, it wasn't a social media post or, or something like that. The arrival of this new family member, uh, the joy that we felt, we just wanted to share it with, uh, with all around us. And you know, Christmas is really the celebration of, of that joy. And, and we see a story in, uh, in you know, Luke and in Matthew of the announcement of Jesus being born and the Heavenly Father announcing the birth of his son and the excitement uh, of the angels presenting that joy to the world is, is amazing. We have a, a tradition in our family where we read the Christmas story. We typically will read Luke chapter two on Christmas Eve, open uh, a small gift in our stockings. Um, and then we do the Matthew two account typically on, on Christmas morning, which is the visit of the, the Magi. So I'm going to stick with that uh, theme and I'm going to be uh, speaking from Luke chapter 2 uh, today. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you have sent your son uh, and that we celebrate that event on this day, on Christmas. Lord, we pray that you would speak to each one of us, that your spirit would be upon us, that the truth and the depth and the reality of what you have done, what you have made available to us would be known. We would encounter you today and our lives would never be the same because of what you say to us. So Luke chapter two. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, <coughs> to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. What a spectacular birth announcement. In a supernatural story, the facts of the story uh, prove that this story was not made up, was not conceived by, by a human mind, because the, the juxtaposition of, of the glory of the announcement with the humble birth of Jesus is, is something that, you know, I, I don't think you could make this up. Um, the setting, there's a mother and her husband far from home. They're excluded from even the most basic uh, bed, left in a stable with the animals, and it's there she gives birth to a baby all alone. The baby is wrapped in, in strips of rags. They, they have nothing else. I mean, swaddling cloths was not some you know, trendy baby wrap they picked up at uh, Babies Are Us. It was rags. They just grabbed what they had, ripped it into strips, and, and wrapped the baby up with that. They laid him down in a feeding trough. You know, a manger. We, we see the baby in a manger, and we, we have this uh, view of it, some sort of romantic view of the manger, but it's just a feeding trough. They would put the animal's food in it. It would be sloppy, and they would eat out of this manger. That's where the baby was placed. The animals were still there. They lingered nearby. It was the most inauspicious setting, but it was actually the most audacious incarnation. So who is this baby? Who is Jesus? Born in, in these humblest of circumstances, destined to die a torturous and, and horrific death, and yet announced with the greatest supernatural birth announcement. I think who Jesus is is a very important question. The last time I spoke on the theme was, who do you think you are? Which is an extremely important question and, and maybe an even more important answer. But today is an even more important question, and that is, who do you think Jesus is? Jesus asked this question of his disciples. He said, who do the people say that I am? It is a critical question, and it will determine your path in life and beyond. In our story, there's an angel that appears to the shepherds. And the shepherds are terrified by the appearance of this angel, angel, rightfully so. But the angel makes a declaration about who this baby is. 
There's three things that the angel says about this baby in describing him. The angel says that a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, and the Lord. Now, this is not repetition for effect, but actually each of these descriptions and titles have a very specific meaning, and that meaning and importance describes who this baby is. So I'm going to go through those words, what they mean, and then we're going to uh, just talk a little bit more about uh, the shepherds and, and, uh, and then the magi. So the first word that the angel uses is Savior. The word Savior in the original language is soter, and the definition of this word is that the Savior is an active personality in world affairs. This person is a deliverer, a preserver. It's not distant and removed, but present and active. This word means a rescuer or a redeemer. It's a right here and a right now word. The Savior is saving now, today. Today is the day of salvation. The Savior also speaks to the future destiny of this child in the major in the manger, that he would one day deliver the whole world from bondage to the curse. He would be the one and only Savior who is active in the affairs of our lives. So salvation, it's, it's a release from the bondage of past sin. And sin is not just poor behavior, it's actually a state of being. Most commonly in, in Scripture, uh, the word sin is actually a noun, not a verb. It's, it's a state of being, not an action per se. We often think of sin as, as actions, which it is, but, but the state of sin is actually far more damaging and destructive because what it speaks of is that we are slaves to sin. There's, there's no way that we can get free of our own power. We can't just get free from our sin by having better behavior because we still have a state of sin within us and it will find its way out. It will find expression as long as we are not set free from that, that bondage, from that slavery, as, it's, as it says. Um, but through Jesus, we're rescued from the wages of sin, which is death and eternal separation, and separation from all that is good. So we're, we're, we're redeemed from our state of sin, or redeemed from the wages of sin. Now, this salvation is not just a one-day thing. It's not something that happens once and, and is never uh, occurs again. It's actually an everyday thing because salvation is even more than just a rescue from the wages of sin, but it's actually a protection. One of the definitions of the word Savior is preserver. You see, in Jesus, there are actually untold things that you have not experienced, been saved without even knowing it. Been, been redirected or protected or, or shielded from things that never came into your life or encounters that never happened, bad things that never encroached on, on your person because you have been saved by the blood of Jesus. His salvation is, is constant, is daily. We're also saved from the impact of future sin. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here we're even protected from avenues that would, be temp would tempt us to turn away from him, there, where he redirects us so we don't even encounter that temptation. This is what the word salvation and the word savior uh, actually mean and what Jesus has, has done for us. It's a very rich salvation 
a very full meaning. The next word that's used by the angel is Christ. In the original, it's Christos, which means anointed one, and the root word of it is Krusos, which means light. So the title Christ signifies not only what is upon him, which is anointing, but also what is being expressed through him, which is light. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is the light of the world. What does light do? Light would bring exposure to what is in darkness. We see that Jesus exposes what is in darkness and is hidden. It needs to be confessed or, or released or broken in our lives. The light of the world allows us to see clearly. When, you see, when light comes, you can see more clearly. He allows us to see more clearly who he has made us to be and what he is doing on the earth. The light of the world also brings everything we need for all that is good. Without the sun, without the light that comes, there would be no abundance on the earth. There would be no vegetation. The animals would have no food. Light is what actually brings life. And the light of Jesus brings us all that is good in life. Now, as Christians, it actually means Christ ones. So we are stepping into that character of the Christ. We are the anointed ones. We're sent to bring the light of life wherever we go. To be called a Christian is to be called an anointed light bearer. So when you say the word Christian, it means I'm an anointed light bearer. It's who God has made me to be. By the way, just uh, an aside here, uh, the word antichrist or the spirit of antichrist is, if you think about it, anti-anointing or anti-light. So if you encounter people or authorities or movements that are anti-anointing, um, anointing being the present and active power of God on display, anti-anointing is the spirit of antichrist. The present and active power of God is a defining characteristic of Christ followers. The last word that the angel uses is the Lord. And the Lord is kurios, which means supreme in authority, a master, possessor, or an owner. So a landowner or a, you know, a, a king in a, a city would be called kurios. They were the Lord. They were the supreme authority in that area. And so Jesus, as the Lord over the whole earth, the Lord's the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Jesus was the active personality in creation. All things were created by him and for him and through him. He has the authority to bring to pass what God has determined. He is the Lord. He is Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, and the Lord. So Jesus, the Savior, who came with anointing to bring light to the world, who has the authority to make it happen. He is the Lord, the Christ, and the Savior. And he was born this day. There was a day when Jesus was born. A day came when the promises were fulfilled, when the prophecies came to pass, when light invaded the darkness of the world. People have been looking forward to the Messiah for, for generations. There were prophecies. There was expectation. There were people waiting in the temple for him to arrive. But there was a day that he came. Unto you is born this day, the angel said, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
a day to celebrate for all eternity. Sometimes we're waiting for things and it feels like they will never come. We, we've got a promise from the Lord. We've, we've got hopes and dreams and it, it feels like they're so far out there. But I'm just saying that there is a day when those promises are fulfilled. The promises of the Lord will be fulfilled and there is a day that they will come to pass. At the temple, when, when Joseph and Mary went uh, to have him circumcised, Mary gave him the name Jesus. Uh, this she was given by an angel, another angel. There's many angels in the Christmas story. I love the, the visitations of the angels. It's a great study even just to go through what happened, how did the angels interact, what did they say, what was the result. It's a, it's a beautiful study to look at the story of the angels in the Christmas, uh, Christmas story. So she was told by an angel to give him the name Jesus. Now, the name of Jesus actually captures two of the three angelic descriptions because the first part of it, the J-E, is Yah, which is a, a short for Yahweh. So, and the sus is Savior. So it's Yahweh Savior or Yahweh who saves, captures the Lord and the Savior portion of the announcement. So Jesus is the Lord and Savior. And then he's often referred to as Jesus the Christ, or more succinctly, just Jesus Christ. And this captures all three declarations made by the angel to the shepherds that night. Jesus Christ means Yahweh who saves, the anointed one who brings light. That is who he is. That is what he does. And that is what he is doing on the earth today. By his name, Jesus is declared to be the Lord of all, the anointed one, the light bearer, and the rescuer and redeemer of all the earth. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Other passages in Scripture sometimes might be confusing, a little murky. Maybe there's a lot of imagery in there. Sometimes the Old Testament is, is tricky, like how do, I, how do I handle this? But all of these things need to be brought in submission under the revelation of the Father that comes through Jesus. He is the exact representation of the Father. When we look at other portions of Scripture, take a look at how can we interpret them through the person of Jesus. Who was Jesus? How did he handle this situation? How did he handle a similar scenario? How did he handle Scripture and interpret the confusing aspects through the lens of Jesus, because he is the only exact representation of the Father that we have. I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are being interrogated by the Sanhedrin after they heal a lame man who sat to beg at the temple gate. I'm just going to read a couple of verses on that story. It's, it's quite incredible. Um, this man sat at the temple gate and was begging as people would come in. He was hoping to get uh, some money from them. He was unable to work or, or any way to generate income for himself. It says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up 
and walk. That's all it took. And the man stood up and walked. It says he was walking and leaping and praising God. And yet the rulers of the people were not so impressed. In, in Acts chapter 4, right after this, they're actually being interrogated by the, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. And as they're being interrogated, Peter um, responds, and it says in Acts 4 verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter's declaration is that Jesus Christ is the only one by whom we must be saved. He is the only one who is able to heal the crippled man. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, this name that Jesus has been given is more than just a a name, more than just a title. It actually carries power with it as we come to know him for ourselves, as we carry his anointing upon ourselves. By faith, he works through us. You see, Peter knew what he had. He had a relationship with Jesus. He had received the Holy Spirit. And so he knew that he had the ability to declare the name of Jesus and that there would be power that would ensue. You see, it's not just an incantation. It's actually out of relationship. It's out of presence that he was able to make that declaration and impact that man's life. There's no evidence that the lame man had faith. He expected to receive, quote, something. He wasn't expecting to be healed. He was expecting to get some coins. But you see, he was expecting to receive, and that's all it took. Because Peter had the faith in the name of Jesus. Peter knew what he was carrying. He said, I don't have money, but I know what I have. I carry the anointing of the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. He has given it to me. He has has put it upon me. He has proclaimed it and said, you get to carry it now as as I ascend into heaven. He told the disciples, you guys are going to go out. He said, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. But once he does, go and be my witnesses. And that's what Peter's doing here. And he's saying, you know, I carry the power of salvation within me because I carry Jesus Christ. Now, salvation, as we're talking about it, the word saved is, is a very big word. You see, in this moment, the lame man was saved. He was sozoed. The word saved means sozo. Or or the the word saved is sozo. It means saved, healed, and delivered. It's spirit, soul, and body. See, salvation is not just a far off one day we get to go to heaven. 
It's a now word. And Jesus has taken upon himself all of the aspects of the curse so that we can have freedom from every single one of them. Sozo is a Greek word similar to the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, but really it's a blessing. The word shalom is a, a blessing meaning wholeness, well-being in body, soul, and spirit. All things well and all the good things in life be yours. Sozo is a word like that. When you hear the word saved, remember it is a word that has this rich meaning. But Peter says to the, to the religious leaders, he says, there is no other name by which we must be saved. We must be saved. There is an absolute necessity. of. There's no one who doesn't need to be saved. But this, word, this phrase, must be saved, uh, captures two dynamics. It says that we are desperately in need of it and that there is only one way that it will be met. The first thing it captures, the absolute desperate need for salvation. The lame man was aware of his need, but had no hope for salvation. He was simply looking for survival. You know, sometimes we're in the same situation. We, we have lost hope. We, we are in, in aware of our need. We're feeling the lack, but really we're just hanging on for survival. Awareness of need is a great setup for deliverance. This man was aware of his need. He didn't even believe that deliverance was possible, but Peter knew. The second thing it captures is the absolute certainty of that desperate need being fully met in Jesus. That there is no other name by which we must be saved. That it captures the sense that this Jesus will fully meet that desperate need. There'll be nothing lacking. He won't only save in part, but he will save in full. Peter did not hesitate. He had no disclaimer about, well, sometimes, you know, it takes a little while. Sometimes it's only partial. You know, you just got to be ready for, for that. He was so convinced of what he had. All he said to the, the layman was, what I have I give you, get up and walk right now. Get up and walk. He was convinced of the power of the name of Jesus. And that being convinced was a setup to become a carrier of deliverance and healing for others. The more we become convinced of what we have been given in Jesus, the more that we are able to carry it and release it everywhere we go. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But very often it's our job to be his hands and, and his feet and to extend them and bring that salvation to the places that we go. And be aware that that salvation can look like many different things. It's, sometimes it will look like, like someone coming to faith in Christ. Other times it might look like being able to pray for them for healing, even if they're not believers. We've had experiences where we've prayed for people in a grocery store and, and they're healed or we, they, they respond with you know, amazement at, at what's happening. And I don't know if they're believers or not, because that's not how it works. I mean, Jesus came and he's, he healed people without an interview, without checking with them, where's your, where's your uh, relationship at with God? If they came asking for healing, he, he prayed for them, or he declared it actually over them and they were healed. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. It's our job to be his hands. And then often that opens the door to further conversations or further uh, 
opportunities to seek after God for themselves. Jesus is the only one who saves. That's the message, the core of the message today. There is only one Savior. Jesus is the only one who saves. And his salvation is full, spirit, soul, and body. He's redeemed us from every aspect of the curse and has brought life and life abundantly to us. There is no other Savior. Have you ever heard of any other Savior? There's no other belief system that even has a Savior. In the religions of man, people are expected to be their own Savior by living up to the standard of God. In the kingdom of God, it is by faith that you are saved. Jesus saves by faith in him. It is a supernatural revelation. You'll often perceive it in your spirit before your mind even catches up. You're like, whoa, there's something real here. There's something powerful here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing something. And I, I believe today as you're listening, there's going to be those of you that, that are going to sense something. You're going to feel something. You're going to realize, wait a minute, something's happening here and I'm not quite sure what it is. My mind maybe isn't catching up because it's the Spirit of God interacting with our spirits and bringing revelation. And from that revelation, understanding flows. There's often comes after the fact. But the truth is that salvation in Jesus can only come by faith. It can't come by, by mental assent, by having the best argument. That can help with answering some questions and wrestling through things. But ultimately, it will always be a step of faith. It'll always be a revelation in your spirit. And there's one other aspect of this story of Jesus' birth that I, I think is significant for us today, and that's the shepherds. You know, what if the shepherds had decided to stay with their sheep? What, what would have happened? You know, they said to one another, let's go and see. But what if they had ignored the message and stayed with their sheep? What if they kind of were concerned and said, oh, I saw a fox last night. I, he might come back. I'm not sure if we should, you know, leave the sheep all alone. We have to kind of protect them here. It would be irresponsible of us to abandon them. We, we can't do that. What if the older shepherd said, ah, oh, the younger guys can stay and you know, we'll go check this thing out in Bethlehem. Or what if they're just tired? So, ah, oh, you know, that's a pretty amazing vision, but I, I'm tired. I don't want to walk all the way into town this time of night. From the text, it seems clear that all the shepherds who had seen the angels came to see Jesus. I believe that if they had ignored the invitation you know, obviously Jesus would still com complete his earthly ministry. Jesus would still accomplish his purpose for which he was sent. But the shepherds would have missed out on the role they could have had. We would, may not have even heard the story of, of the angels in this way. Uh, potentially God may have found someone else to play their role. Maybe we would have heard the story about the merchant caravan, you know, camping outside the city that had a vision of angels. Maybe they, they would have to go to the next, you know, the next plan. We don't know because the shepherds did respond. They came. And it was rightfully so because Jesus was known as the great shepherd. So God announced his birth to shepherds and gave them the place of being the very first humans to see the newborn Savior. And they also got to announce his arrival to the world. As it is, they said yes. And they've been celebrated for millenniums after. We have the story captured, the miraculous event preserved, and God will be glorified in all the earth. Then we have another account in Matthew, 
We're just going to touch on this briefly. Matthew's account of the Magi or the wise men. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The wise men came to find Jesus, but they didn't know where he would be born. They saw a sign in the heavens, a star. They somehow knew that it signified his birth. How they knew this and what they actually saw has been a cause of great mystery and, and many theories. It has been suggested that they may have seen a comet. Uh, they may have been magi from the area of Babylon or even further away. Some suggest they may have had prophecies passed down from Daniel or other Jewish prophets who, who were in exile. We really don't know. But the fact that they appear as a testimony to the power of the prophetic still ringing in their ears even generations after they had been given. And think about it. It's been generations. They had so little to go on and yet they were still waiting for this sign. A long ago prophetic word, a star in the sky, and based on that information, they began to travel. They began a journey that took a very long time. My theory is it took them about a year. Why do I say a year? Well, we find out that Herod goes ahead and kills all of the babies two years old and under. So my guess is he was trying to be safe, added a year, made it two years. I believe that probably took them around a year to travel. A year-long travel based on a star and a prophetic word from generations ago. It's amazing the conviction they had to seek after this newborn king. They traveled to see Jesus. They just wanted to worship him. I believe that today God is still inviting people to come and see. He appears to us and invites us to join him in his glorious plan. Our choice, if we choose to re reject him, won't hinder him in accomplishing his purposes on the earth, but our choices may get in the way of us experiencing and enjoying the fullness of the role he has intended us to play. The shepherds had only a short journey, a walk into town and a walk back, all completed within an evening with time to see the baby. The Magi, on the other hand, had a year-long journey. They had to persevere in their journey. However long your journey is or has been, say yes. Our yes is what God needs. Our yes is all he needs. I believe the Lord is speaking today, calling you to a life that you can't imagine. When he speaks, I can only encourage you to say yes. Whenever God brings revelation, whenever he shows us something new, it always carries an invitation to seek him for more. He will always have more in store than we can imagine. The shepherds and the magi, I believe, did not end with this one journey. This was the beginning of a lifetime of seeking after Jesus. Who knows how many of them may have encountered him again later in life and recognized that he was the baby they had visited when he was born. Revelation of Jesus is powerful in itself but it requires a response for us to enter into the fullness of what God 
intends for us. Today, Jesus is the only one who saves. As Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Will you respond to his invitation today? Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you, will you go and see for yourself who Jesus is? I'm going to close with this. Jesus wants to bring salvation to you. That big word of salvation, body, soul, and spirit. Whatever you need today, salvation is there for you. Maybe you've never come to him. Maybe you've never received him into your life. I encourage you, make that step today. And I just wanted to cover a couple points here where he doesn't just save us from something, but he saves us for something. We've alluded to this with the, with the shepherds and the magi. You see, the Israelites were led out of Egypt and into the promised land. It's really a two-part salvation. It's out of and into. It's from and for something. Often the, the emphasis of salvation is on what we're being saved from, and rightfully so. It's a great deliverance. But Jesus is also saving us for something. And so I want to close with two things we're saved from and three that we are saved for. And then I want to pray with you. Summarizing, we're saved from our sin and its consequences. The wages of sin is death. We're saved from that. We no longer have that, that fear of death in us. It's, it's removed because we know that death is not going to defeat us, but we will be resurrected and, and spend our eternity with Christ. We're also saved from sin's power to control our lives. We're no longer a slave slave to it. We become free to choose rightly, to live freely, no longer a slave to sin, no longer a slave to those mindsets, but free to step into what God has for us. And that's what we're saved for. We're saved for his pleasure. At the very core of it, we're created to be loved by him. The love of God is the greatest power. We were created for it. We're saved for his pleasure, that we might enter back into that relationship with him and, and enter into that father-child relationship. We're also saved for our, a destiny. We've been saved for a purpose, a destiny, to partner with him, fulfill his design upon our lives. We're firstly created to be loved by him, but we're also created for a purpose, created to accomplish something on his behalf on this earth as a result of his favor and abundance upon us, that he might be glorified. You see, when we live in his favor, he is glorified. We are called to release the deliverance of Jesus on the earth. And the third thing we're saved for is transformation, that we would look and act like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 says that we are being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. We will become the very best version of ourselves in Jesus. I believe God is calling some of you home to him today. The shepherds and the wise men went when they had a revelation. Today we have a greater revelation. We have 2,000 years of history of testimonies. The shepherds let us go, said, let us go and see. The magi traveled for a year, I encourage you today to say yes to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you.
come and see this Jesus. If that's stirring your heart, I encourage you just to pray with me in a moment here. If he's, maybe you've, you've known him before, but you realize there's something that hasn't been brought to him, something that hasn't been yielded to him, or some area of need where you need salvation in your physical body, you need salvation in, in some area of your life, you need him, I encourage you to, to go and see today. But if you are coming to him for the first time, just pray with me in a moment here. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I need you in my life. I realize that I need your forgiveness. I come to you and ask you to take control of my life. May the power of the name of Jesus Christ come upon me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life so that I can be free from my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's been great to share with you today. Have a Merry Christmas. I hope you're celebrating with those that you love, with uh, friends and family, and that you are have a new revelation of who Jesus is this Christmas. Amen.